Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Now, do you feel a little bit better? Uh, do you feel better? Come on, let's give God a hand, big God's great big hand. Truly, he's awesome and worthy to be praised. Our pastor has been in a series entitled, I Can Do Better. Let's give our pastor a hand with this awesome series. Been blessing our hearts. We thank him and we thank our pastor's wife. Let's give a great big hand to Lady Tiffany. Amen. God bless you. Amen to all the willing workers and to all of you who are here today. It's just a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. And I want to stay in that same vein that our pastor has been in, entitled, I Can Do Better. And I want to talk a little bit about how we can do better. Is that all right? Uh, before we move on a little further, let us go to God in prayer. Eternal God, our Father, thank you, Father, for this another opportunity to stand before your people. I ask that you would clear my mind, help me to think clearly. Help me to speak clearly so that your word may go forth unhindered and unchecked. Father God, we ask that your word will fall on good ground today. Open up our ears, our hearts, and our minds to receive what you have prepared through me, your messenger. I humble myself so you can use me as an instrument for your service. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and I pray that you do, turn with me to John. John chapter 2. You can keep that going, brother. That helps me stay focused. Yeah. John chapter 2. If you have it, say, I got it. Got it. If you don't have it, say, wait just a minute. Chapter 2, verse 10. We clear? We good? Thumbs up over here? Thumbs up over here? Good stuff. John, chapter 2, verse 10, reads, And said unto him, Every man at the beginning do set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the best wine, some translations say, until now. Yeah, that's good stuff. We still stay in that same vein, talking about I can do better. And here we see some wine that was some good wine. It was okay. But then Jesus touched it. And, and, and the guy that was hosting the party, he said, man, that, that, that's some good You know what? That ain't, some, that ain't just some good stuff. That's, that's the best I've had all night. I want to talk to you from this subject. Better begins when your good ends. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, your better begins when good enough ends. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Better can begin when good enough ends. Pastor has been in this series entitled, I can do better. The main thing that I heard out of this 
sermon series was the mind frame that we have to have if we're going to do better. There's a little story that I heard about a frog and his family. It was a little frog and his family that grew up in the bottom of a little well on a farm. And, on this, and in this well, the, the frog said, man, I got it made. All this water, I can splash around. There's plenty of insects down here for me to eat. Man, life can't get no better than this. This is some good stuff. And one day, the whale ran dry. They said, man, why this had to happen to me and why did it have to happen right now? I mean, life is good. I got all the water. There's plenty of insects for me to eat. Man, stuff is going good for me. But now the whale has dried up. He had a decision to make. Was he going to sit there and soak? Or was he going to do something to change his situation? He started... Carefully, gradually, inching himself up to the top. He inched his way up to the top, inched up a little bit more, and lo and behold, he's out of the well. He looked to the left, he looked to the right, he says, man, this is a whole new world. He hops along and finally discovers a pond. He says, man, I thought I had it good back in the well. But now look at this pond. It's big, it's water everywhere. There's insects everywhere. What in the world? I've been missing out. Stayed there for a little while. Then, lo and behold, they had to drain the pond. He said, I can't catch a break. What in the world is going on just when I thought life couldn't get no better? Now, the pond has dried up. But he says, you know what? I remember the last time something like this happened. Something better came together for me. He said, hmm, let's see what else is out there. Start hopping along, start hopping along, and sooner or later he, become, he comes to a lake. And he said, oh, my goodness. I thought I had it together in the well. I thought I had found some good stuff at the pond. But boy, look a here, look a here, look a here. All I'm trying to tell you, church, is Better happens when your environment is shaken. And some of us, we have had some environments shaken. We've had some heartbreaks. We've had some disappointments in our lives. But we discovered better was on the other side of heartbreak. We discovered that better was on the, on the other side of disappointments. And I don't know who I'm talking to in here, but I can attest to this sermon because I've had some times when my life seemed like it was in shambles. And it seemed like it wouldn't get any better. But I just understood it was God redirecting my steps. Because if he wouldn't have made things uncomfortable, I would have stayed in the well. If, if things didn't get better, if I didn't start searching for better, I would have got to the pond and said, you know what? The pond is all right. But he had to shake some things up again. And I discovered a lake. And I don't know who it is that I'm talking to. But you may be in a well. You may be in a pond. But keep on keeping on. Because your lake is coming. I don't know how much you've been discouraged. I don't know how what you've been going through. But better is on the other side of your shaking. God has to shake up some things. He has to. Change your environment because if you didn't, you would become okay with things just being okay. You know, God, he is not just a king, but he is the king. And we belong to the king. 
So if I belong to the king, you know what that makes me? That makes me a prince. <laughs> if you're a young lady, that makes you a princess. There is a standard of living that princes and princesses are supposed to be living on. And if I'm just going through life just to be going through life, if I'm having to tolerate people tolerating me, that is not kingly or royal living. God wants to take us to higher heights and to new levels. But to do that, he has to work on our mentality. So oftentimes we have been, uh, uh, have been, uh, been knocked down and been discouraged and been shaken. And sometimes if we don't think about it, we allow the things that happen to us to make us bitter. But I'm reminded what Paul says that in Romans 8, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Life is not happening to you. Life is happening for you. Glory to God. And when I discovered how much God loves me, when I discovered how much he cares for me, it made me have the proper perspective. Even when I fall, fail, and fumble, God says, get up, son. I got more for you to do. And if there anybody can testify that, yeah, you made some mistakes. Yeah, you've done some things that you shouldn't have done. But God can take a mistake and turn it, turn it into a blessing. That's the type of God I serve. Yeah, everything that happened to me was bad. It wasn't the devil. Some of the stuff that happened to me is because I made the wrong choice. Come on now. Michael Jackson said you got to deal with the man in the mirror. Some of the, some of the tight spots that I got into, I got into because I was trying to do my own thing. But glory be to God for his grace, people. Now, no wonder that songwriters say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It wasn't nothing good that I'd done. It wasn't because I was so good at goody. It wasn't because I dotted every one of my I's and crossed every one of my T's. But it was because of the love of an unfailing God that saved me, that redirected me, that picked me up and said, son, I have better for you. And I don't know where you are this morning, but God has better for you. God wanna, don't want to just see you with just any old body. You just being tolerated, going through these relationships with people. God wants God-ordained relationships. God doesn't just want you at any old job, getting up every morning, going to a job that you hate. God wants you having your own business. He wants you being the CEO of the company. He doesn't want you. Uh, 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 he doesn't want you settling for less. Okay, well, I, I had a medical condition. Well, I gotta, I gotta deal with this for the rest of my life. No, God says, bye my stripes. You are healed. He wants to heal you totally. Some of us, and I say us because I dealt with it for a long time. I went through probably four or five years depressed. Yeah, battled with it. Every day struggling with it. God doesn't want us entangled into that. God wants to free us from depression. For all those mental yokes and all that burden and all that baggage that is on us. There is a thing on Facebook, the decade picture, 2009, 2019. Man, some people done aged in them 10 years. It's <laughs> some people done spread it out. It's some people that done went in. But some changes done took place. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but you know what? 
That's because I, uh, I coach football and I always tell my guys, life is about, it's 90%, it's 90% of how you react to it. You know, something can happen. We can have a glass. You can say the glass is half empty, or you can choose to say it's half full. How you choose to see things, your perspective makes the biggest difference on the quality of your living experience. Wouldn't you agree? In the text today, I chose this text. The Spirit led me to this text because it was an example of how something mediocre is or in that was in the hands of people. But when they put it in the hands of God, he turned it to extraordinary. And I'm here to tell you, he can take what's mediocre in your life and he can turn it into something extraordinary. Well, you don't understand, preacher. None of my family never been to college. I never even graduated high school. How in the world can I become financially free? You know what? You may make the best pancakes on the block. You know, uh, you may be the, the best tire changer. God can take your passion. He can take what you do, what you love, and he can bless that thing, y'all. Come on now. You don't have to have this big elaborate plan. God, he took two fish. Come on, Bob Reeves. And two five loaves of bread and fed a multitude of people. If you can just give back to him what he's already given to you, he can bless it. When I look in the text uh, in chapter 2, man, this thing was filled with lessons. It was filled with lessons. The first lesson that I found was in verse 3. Let me catch you up. There's a wedding that's going on. This is the third day of the wedding. These weddings in that time and in that custom wasn't like weddings today last two, four hours, two or four hours. These weddings lasted days, sometimes weeks. It was on the third day of the wedding. Man, we got a lot more time to go. And the wine ran out. That's like next Thursday, y'all invite all the people over to the house and the dressing run out. Or the stuffing run out. Or the green bean casserole run out. You don't just invite me over and you ain't got enough food, man. Come on now. I like to eat. So what happens now in, in verse 2, they says Jesus was called. He was invited to the wedding along with his disciples. That happened in verse 2. But in verse 3, this is the first lesson that I see in the text. It says, in verse 3, if you have it, it says, And when they wanted wine... The mother of Jesus said unto them, they have no wine. They done ran out. The first lesson I see in this text is, do not panic over the exhausted supply. In verse 3, I see the exhausted supply. But what happens, what this shows me is, do not panic when there is an exhausted supply. What do you mean to me? What are you telling me? When people run out on you, don't panic. When jobs let you go and or you have to move, don't panic. When when something happened to you that can, uh, can, can could make you start feeling bitter, don't panic. When people misuse you and abuse you, don't panic. That's just an inadequate resource. That's is that is an exhausted supply. Mary said this in verse three. She says to Jesus. They have no wine. What is the significance of that? 
Here it is. In verse 3, there is a problem. But in verse 2, the problem solver is already there. In verse 3, they ran out of line, right? Verse 2, what did it say? Verse 2 says Jesus was called. He was at this wedding. So what this suggests to us is before we even have a situation, before we even have a problem, the problem solver is already there. There is nothing that we face. There is nothing that we go through that catches Christ by surprise. He says, pray and let your supplications be known unto him. Whatever you're going down on your knees asking and requesting and supplicating for the Lord for, he already knows. But here's the good stuff. He's not like some of you and I. You know, you can tell me something and it may not be nothing I can do for you. But I serve a God who is able to do exceedingly and above all that we can ever ask or think. We don't have to panic when we face an exhausted supply because the problem solver is already there before the problem begins. In verse 5, it blessed me real good because better begins when good ends. Watch this. The next lesson is, it's in verse 5, it's found there, is whenever there is an exhausted supply and you tell the problem solver, it shows us that we should have the expectation that something good will happen. When there's an exhausted supply, tell God about it. And after you tell him, leave off your knees with an expectation. Come on now. What is an expectation? You go down there to Whataburger and you ask for a number one supersize me. When you get to the drive-thru window and take off with your bag, you are expected a number one supersize. If you go up, I'm, I'm sorry, I like food. If you go to Pizza Hut, and <laughs> if you go to Pizza Hut and ask for a large pizza with the pepperoni with the works on it, and when you get there, you're expecting a large pizza with the works on it. If the Lord gives you breath and allows you to wake up in the morning, you're going to expect tomorrow to be Monday. Whenever you ask God for something, you ought to expect for it to happen. I'm telling you, when we learn to put our expectations in him, when we learn how to totally trust, and I say learn because I tell you, it is a learning process. Why? Because what we know as trust has been contaminated. We used to trust in each other. And you know like I know, we let each other down. So our trust has been contaminated. My only, the, my only human, my only flesh uh, 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 in, uh, example of, of experience and trust is what I've had with my brother or what I've had with my sister. Right. So sometimes it's kind of hard to trust in a God that I've never seen. Mm-hmm. Right. My God. But I heard those prayer warriors of the old church used to say that I grew up in. I may not can see him, but I sure can feel him. Every once in a while, church, when I'm going through a tough time, I just get a peace and a calm all about myself. That's God letting me know, like they used to say, that everything is going to be all right. And every once in a while, while I'm in my trouble and when I'm in my trial, I can steal away, as they used to say, to yeah. preach up, and I, can, and I can rest on the fact that God would give me peace in the midst of a storm. Come on now, I'm not, I'm, 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 am I, 
is, am, I, am I talking to anybody in here that you've been through some stuff and you've experienced some things and somebody can look at you and, and, and say, man, you look good. Why they say that? Because they're not expecting you to look this good after all the hell you've been through. They're not expecting you to have a smile on your face after all the things that they put you through. Yeah. We've been through, but I tell you what, we've been through. God, it was God who pulled us through. And I just want to encourage somebody today that if you're in it, keep on because God will pull you through. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to worry. Yeah, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Lord knows it is. Yeah, yeah, it don't feel good when you're in it. Lord knows it doesn't. Glory to God. But I come to serve notice that if you just, my God, I'm sorry. I would give you double. I'm telling you what I know for your trouble. When folk walk off and leave, you gotta sing you some more. When your money run out, gotta sing you some more. When your happiness run out, gotta sing you some more. When your relationship mate run out, he'll sing you another one. Come on. Man, y'all better leave me alone. I'm sorry. Listen, you have to have the expectation that something will happen. Uh, that was in verse 5. He says, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. He says, look. She says, look, the water has ran out. The wine has ran out. She turns to Jesus, and she says, look, the water has run out. And he says to her, woman, my hour, my time has not yet come. Oh, okay. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Mama, y'all know how y'all are. Sometimes you just talk over the, the, the ignorance or the, or the statement sometimes. I ain't say the ignorance because Jesus had to represent it. Sometimes you talk over to, boy, get in that thing. But yeah. my mind, get it done. <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you that, what I'm trying to tell you is this. When he says, whatever, he's, whatever you say, whatever he says to do, just do it. In other words, however he chooses to bless in this situation. However you choose, Father, to deliver me. However you choose, Father, to bring me out. However you choose to fix my brokenness. However you choose to fix my broken heart and my broken, whatever you do and however you do it is fine with me. In other words, that's what Mary was saying. Look, they ran out of wine and I know who you are. I know who you are because I know how it was that I became pregnant with you. She said, I know, and see, this is the thing about John. I love the gospel of John because John writes to his believers, write to his readers to show Christ that he is 100% God and he's 100% man. That's why John writes this gospel. And he is, she, when there's so much theological stuff in here that I can get in, but that's for Bible stuff. But listen, she says, I know your abilities because I've been with you. Let that marinate. He, I, yeah, you're my son, but yes, you're also my savior. I, 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 don't, I don't worry about the exhausted supply because my expectation comes from my experience. And somebody should be able to look at their situation and say, you know what, some things have ran out. Some things have given out, but I've been with the savior. And the same God that took me from the pond, 
from the, from the well to the pond to the lake. It's the same God that will take me from this situation to that situation. You ought to have, I heard him say, you ought to have a faith file. Every once in a while, you should be able to go to your file folder on your computer, in your spiritual computer. Double click, right click, scroll down and look at the faith file. And look how in uh, December of 2010, he did this. You know what? In uh, September of 2008, he done that for me. You know what? In 2001, when I thought I was going to give up, thought I didn't have any more, he did this. You know what? Man, this file is long. I should go down to 1999. And how 1999, he opened a door that seemed to be closed. Now when I'm looking at this door that seems to be closed, I can look at it with expectation, knowing that any day now, this door is about to open. Because in 99, he did it. And if he can do it like back then, he can do it today. Somebody in here ought to praise God right there. Come on, just stop right there. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. Hallelujah. I praise you that the door that I see right now that is closed, it's all right because it's getting ready to open. The joy that I need right now, that's all right. I'm going to praise you right now because you've given me some joy in the past. I, I, I've experienced you, man. I've had experiences. I've had dealings with, I, I've been in this position before. I've faced some troubles like this before. I felt this feeling of loneliness and despair before. And the same God that sustained me then, I come to serve notice, he'll do it today. He'll do it today. When we look at the, when we look at the expectation that something will happen, when you word for expectation? Faith. When you believe that God will do just what he said he will do, you will see in verse 6 through 8 the expert, the ex, expert, Lord, that's expert. What is it? No, 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 no. Basketball, basketball. You see him do what he's supposed to do. Glory to God. Yeah, what's that word? Y'all talk to me. Exhibition. You will see the exposition. The ex that word. You will see him do just what he said he'd do. What is that word? What is that? What's the de definition of that? A public display. A work. Something to do. And that's what you see in verses 6 through 8. The faith of Mary put Christ to work. And can I say today, when you have faith and when you stand on that faith, Come on now, we ain't talking about uh, they, they ran out of uh, they ran out of sugar. They had Kool-Aid. We can find evil leaves or something to put in that. <laughs> but we're talking about water. Come on now, water that legitimately turned chemically for for my chemists in here. The, the chemical makeup of it changed totally to some wine. You can't get wine out of water. Last time I checked in chemistry class, water was made up of two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen. Grapes are needed. That's a whole nother created creation. But when you have the creator that has created everything that has been created, <laughs> he's the same God, y'all. So if he can create nothing, something out of nothing then, he can do it at this instant. 
So we see the exposition. Expo I tried it in two words. But anyway, you see him do something on the behalf of this lady because of her expectation. It's found there in verses 6 through 8. It says, and there he set six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three persons apiece. Man, it is so much in verse 6. Whenever, to get a good grasp of the Bible and to really understand it, you have to understand two things. You have to understand the grace of God and the kingdom of God. You have to have a good understanding of what the kingdom of God is. And you have to understand and read the Bible through the eye lens of grace. When you look at that, there's no empty words in the Bible. When he says there set there six water pots of stone, man was created on what day? Six day. Six is the number of man. He says there were six water pots after the manner, custom, the tradition of the purifying of the Jews. In other words, Jews would cleanse themselves by washing. Now you have to understand also now that this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Jesus is coming to redeem man. He's coming to set us back in alignment with the Garden of Eden, the kingdom of God. Now what happens is this. It says he took the same thing that was used for purifying them externally. Okay? But then he foreshadows it by saying that he's going to take these six water pots but turn them into wine. When we take communion, the wine is symbolic of what? The blood. The, blood. the bread is symbolic of his broken body. So what he was saying without saying, he says, I'm going to take what used to purify you and throw that away and replace it with something better. Yeah. Because the grace of God, the blood of God, is what's going to cleanse you. And it's not just going to cleanse you uh, externally, but it's going to cleanse you from the inside out. And can I say that it was the blood of Jesus that cleansed us. I don't care how much water you can have, the, the highest pH that you want, but you can't get clean enough to get your flesh, or to get your spirit, man, into heaven. It's going to take the blood of Jesus the new covenant yeah, yeah. to get you into uh, heaven. Mm -hmm. I unpacked a lot there. That's all right. But I'll let that marinate. He says, now let me get back. That was the theological piece. Let me get back to the application piece. He says, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to take uh, what you thought you needed to really, make, to really meet your need. And I'm here to tell you that God can take something in your heart and meet your need. Can I prove it to you? It's right there in the text. He looked over there, saw six pots of water. He says, you know what? I don't have to, you don't have to have this degree. You don't have to have this. You don't have to have that. All you need, all I need is something to be available for me to use. And my question is, what are you making available for God to use to make, to allow him to make your situation better? Does that make sense? When we see God do this, verse 10, and I'm closing, Lastly, we see the exceptional substance. James says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Whatever God does is good and it's perfect. I'm reminded of a story in the Bible when 
two disciples, Peter and another fellow, was out fishing. The Bible said they had been working and toiling all the night, fishing, trying to catch fish, but they could not catch anything, the Bible says. Early in the morning, the break of day comes. Jesus sees them out getting ready to come in. He says, brothers, can I use your boat to preach? By the way, we ain't caught no fish. Come on. He gets in the boat. He preaches to the people. After that, he says, okay, you seek the kingdom. You've allowed me to do what I need to do. Now, can I bless you and, uh, and can I help you with what you're trying to do? He says, uh, launch out into the deep. They says, nevertheless, we ain't caught nothing, but nevertheless, at your word, we'll go back out there. They went back out there in the water. They began to fish. The Bible says they caught so much fish that they that they both began to sink, and they had to have other people to come and help them undo the load. Why are you telling me this? Why are you telling me this? I'm telling you this. Lord have mercy, we lost the boat. I'm telling you this because here it is. When Jesus does something for you, he takes the toll out of it. He didn't take the work out of it, but he takes the toll out of it. He doesn't take you having to do something out of it, but he takes the pain, the frustration, the irritation, and the agitation out of it. How do I know that I'm in the right relationship? Is, is there a whole bunch of irritation, agitation, and frustration with that mate? How do I know I'm in the right job? Is there a whole bunch of irritation, agitation in that job? You may still have to do some work, but the toll is out of it. And I'm trying to tell you, when God blesses you, he will take the toll out of your blessing. The Bible says that the blessing of the Lord maketh one rich, and it taketh the what? Sorrow out of it. Church, I'm telling you today that your better can begin when you take the good enough out. When you say, you know what, I'm tolerating this. It's okay. I can just go a little bit further. No, no, no. That's just another day that you are delaying your blessing. I put up with this person. At least I'm not lonely. No, no, no. That's just another day of being mistreated when God can send you a blessed or somebody that will treat you the way you need to be treated. You know what? I ain't going to apply for no other jobs. I'm going to just stay here. I've already been here 15 years. So I can just do 10, 20 more. I can get my retirement. No. God wants to give you better. But he cannot get to the better if you're holding on to the good. Do you receive it today? God bless you and God keep you. I grew up in a in an old traditional church, and I literally just heard the words of my old pastor say he had to preach. The reason why you can have better on earth is because Jesus Christ came to the virgin birth of Mary, died on an old rugged cross, stayed in the grave, and was resurrected on that third day. He gave you a uh, he gave you a he gave you a release. Yeah, that's what it was. He gave you a release and a victory that you would have never won if it wasn't for the blood. What an amazing word from God. 
Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry. This message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at BelieverCity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows your heart to do so. Uh, You can also download our app by going to Google Play or the App Store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.